Well, good morning, everybody. We have a gospel lesson here today where Jesus is sitting in Jerusalem with his disciples. And he's, he's kind of given a see you later speech, right? He knows that his impending death is coming. And so as he's talking to these disciples, he's trying to comfort them and reassure them that everything's going to be okay. So think about a time when maybe somebody that you loved had to leave this earthly existence. And you just wanted to hang on to their ankles to keep them here because you couldn't imagine life without them. Well, that's what these disciples are feeling with Jesus. They've never known life without him because in the, the, the years of their ministry together, they had his wisdom and his understanding and his healing and his teaching all right there at their fingertips. So to imagine what life would be like without that was really scary for them. But Jesus said, listen, it's necessary. I have to go. I have to go die this, this death and I have to resurrect so that I can create a place for you in eternity. But it didn't end there. He also knew that he had to do all this so that as he was gone from this earthly existence, the Holy Spirit then could be left and placed in us so that you and I would be charged with going out into the world and making Christ known. We would have this Holy Spirit dwelling within us so that we could go and lead God's people to know who Christ is. That's a big task. But Jesus tells us in verse 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate won't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying here, Listen, all was grand when I was here. It was great. But when I leave, it's up to you. And that's what Pentecost is all about. Pentecost is this day where this fire, this Holy Spirit now gets placed in our bellies and we get to be ignited to go into the world and spread the name of Jesus like wildfire. So this is a big task, but we have the divine within us to do this. That's what Jesus is trying to say. So that means we kind of have this Oh, I guess like a GPS system of sorts, a, a moral compass that's guiding us. And of course, the, the Holy Spirit is going to have us know who God is and lead us to recognize God and to remember all that Jesus has done for us. But the Holy Spirit also becomes a testifying spirit, which means we call it the, the spirit of truth. That means that this spirit will be able to speak truth into us when we start to drift away from God. When we start to get so far away from God and start to not even feel the presence of the Lord anymore, when we start to not be able to hear the voice of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will literally challenge our way of living. Our Holy Spirit will push us into that uncomfortable area and will shake us by our shoulders and will say to us, listen, for the sake of the gospel, you are playing it too safe. And we're always, always relying on ourselves too much. So here, as I was preparing for our message, I came across a, ver or a, a quote by a professor from Union Seminary named Claudio Carvalis. And as I read this, I, I thought about it and I thought, hmm, is this Zion? When our worship to God becomes a ritual by which nobody is changed, the prophets will carry the voice of God's truth and remind us of our moving away from God and into our own need for a safe and cozy religiosity that doesn't demand anything from us. 
when we shape the radical message of Jesus to the programs of our church, to empty spiritualities, and to live a life that trusts more in our bank accounts than in God, we have lost the presence of the Spirit. Have we gotten too comfortable? Are we in this cozy religiosity that's nice and safe and sound? I think this is a question we have to ask ourselves because we've been part of a world for the last year that literally had its shoulders shaken, going, listen, it's time for something new. But how are we as a church going to respond to that? That's our question. We've done a beautiful job adapting technologically. I mean, I'm looking at you on the camera right now like you're sitting in front of me because we have amazing techs that come in and, and Eddie and Thomas has set up programs today. Dan's here helping. We have people that are all about taking our words and our church service and putting it on the wavelengths out there. And we have an outdoor service where people can pull up in their car. It's amazing. And all the people we're serving are the people who normally would be sitting in the pew. So how... Do we do the same thing and reach out to people who wouldn't be here? To people who don't know God? People who have never entered into a church building? Well, I'll tell you this. 50 years ago, 50 plus years at this point, you might have heard this last week if you came to the congregational meeting. The Holy Spirit stirred in the hearts of people of Zion Lutheran Church. And Zion was placed in a building downtown Ann Arbor. And somebody heard from the Spirit, go, 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 go out to the country. And half the congregation was like, no, it's comfortable here. And the other half, the 51%, I think it was, agreed to go. And here we sit in 2021 with the benefits of people listening to the Spirit. And we have this beautiful church that has impacted our community in unbelievable ways because of the love of God that pours from this place. But the Spirit wasn't done there. In fact, the Spirit went on and nudged a little more until Glacier Hills Retirement Community was formed. And there, it wasn't a church. But people felt the love of God because their needs were being met. And it was built on Christian principles and values. And today, we still go, well, before the pandemic, and we would do church services there because people wanted their faith to grow. And this wonderful retirement community continues to thrive. Because somebody listened to the Spirit. And it didn't stop there. Because Peace Neighborhood was developed. And all these children that go and find refuge in that building and in the, the lives of the people who are investing in them, they experience love. And because they experience love, they're experiencing God. And we have lots of Zion people who go and they serve there. And they share their life with these children now, it seems crazy, but all of that happened before I was even born. And when I look at it in that regard, I think, my goodness, the spirit was snoozing. We need That spirit's going to start stirring sometime soon, I would have to assume. And my friends, we've been given this time to start asking that question, what is the spirit calling us to do? And right now we know the spirit is moving and is helping us to create the Zion Family Medical Clinic in, in Saeed. We know that this is spirit-led because I get the pictures and I am watching them build a four-story building by hand. They are digging the foundation with a shovel. That is a God-sized dream that is happening because of the power of the Lord, not because of what man can do. 
So I have to say, how is it that we as a church are being called today in our community here? I love Zion and the heart of the people. I love that we feed the food insecure and that we house the housing insecure. We offer clothing to people. We offer sizable gifts to our mission partners. We open the door to the immigrant. We care for the sick. We do all the things that God is calling us to do. We are known in our community for the love of Christ that we share. But I will say that none of this that we do stretches individuals in this community. In fact, I will go so far to say that we as a church do the gospel unbelievably well, but we do it comfortably. So how invested are you to actually feel the sacrifice of our giving? I'm going to share a story with you at the risk of sounding nutty, and I know that's okay for some of you because you probably already think I'm a little bizarre, and that's okay. But here is the deal. I love me my Jesus. And if Jesus says that Jesus is leaving the Spirit within me, I'm going to believe that I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And I have to tell you that learning how to hear the Spirit is not easy. Because when we pray, we often just pray at such a basic level, we just ask for all of our needs to be met. And when I started seminary, I couldn't sit in meditation for more than 15 seconds. Legit, like 15 seconds. And now I've learned how to sit and, and hear the Spirit and take messages and journal it. So recently, um, my friend Danielle Groth, which many of you know, Allie sings in the praise band, her mom and I have made a practice during um, the pandemic to do spiritual care by visiting shrines around the Midwest. And when it might seem crazy to you, but preaching to an empty room isn't real spiritually filling for the pastors. So I needed to go somewhere to be fed spiritually. So we found these, these places where we could go and we could pray and we could listen to the message from the Holy Spirit. And recently we went to a one in Ohio. Danielle said, it was right when I was recovering from my illness and she's like, we need to get down to the shrine. We need to like take care of your healing. And we go down there and I was sitting in a chapel and I had gotten into such a deep meditative state that I didn't even realize that Danielle had walked away and that another man had joined us in a different pew. It was just us when we first got there. And I was so deep into it, but all of a sudden something like pushed me. I, it was as if somebody slugged me from behind. My whole shoulder went forward and it kind of knocked me out of my stupor. And I noticed Danielle was gone, so I thought, oh, I better go and, and see if she's outside waiting. So I get up to walk away and I see this gentleman, probably like a man in his 60s, and I go to walk past his pew and it's like I walk into something solid. I, I couldn't go beyond his pew. So I look at him, and he says to me, do you want to know her name? And I said, sure. So he starts telling me about his sister-in-law who's ill with cancer. And I asked him if I could pray with them. And as I was beginning to take a seat next to him, Danielle walked up and said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I've heard a message I have to share with you and I need to lay my hands on you. So he kind of looked at me for approval, and I was like, yeah, this is, this is what she does. So she went on one side of him, and I went on another, and she laid hands on him, and I put a hand on his shoulder, and I lifted my hand up to the Lord, and I just wanted to be an intercessor. Like whatever the Spirit wanted this man to know, we had opened ourselves up to being that vessel. And Danielle says to him, it's okay, you can forgive yourself. It's not your fault. 
You tried. You didn't make this happen. And she goes on with this very personal message that had nothing to do with his sister-in-law. And I can sense the man's getting emotional. So she nods for me to pray. And you all are used to my prayers. They're pretty casual. They're my language. Well, this was not my language. Something was speaking through me that was very churchy. And it was very powerful. And we get done. And this man is completely moved. And he proceeds to tell us that he had two sons that were twins. And one died at birth. And one lived to be 36 with severe disabilities. And he always blamed himself. In fact, his marriage was ruined over it, and he never forgave himself. And in that moment, Danielle and I were able to offer this man forgiveness and a blessing that he wasn't expecting. It wasn't about Danielle and me. It was about the Holy Spirit working through us, about us being open to letting that occur. And I will tell you, at that moment, the three of us sitting there, that that man experienced the living God in a new way. But... When I think about that, we are in a church. He was already a believer. So how can we take that same experience and bring it to people who don't know who Christ is? How can we create an environment where people can experience the living God in new ways, even if they don't know who the living God is? And that's what I'm telling you. I feel this Holy Spirit nudge for our church that's sending us out into the world where it's not about how we can do things. It's not about how we are in control. It's about us being 100% totally dependent on God. As we've gone on these trips and these little shrine visits, we've noticed doves kind of follow us. And we know the dove is representative of the Holy Spirit. You can look around. Our sanctuary with Natalie has made tons of beautiful doves. I'm wearing a dove. A dove sits on the top of our altar. The Holy Spirit has been, has been showing up in this form for us for over a year. So it made me think of this that sits in my office every day, this birdcage. And I got to think maybe this is kind of like us at Zion. We're this little bird that sits inside our comfortable cozy environment. The bird would be taken care of in a bird cage. Somebody would feed it. Somebody would take care of its needs. A predator couldn't get it. That bird would be totally safe and live a good existence comfortably. But what happens if we just open that bird cage up and we just take that bird out? What kind of possibilities are there when the bird leaves the cage. What would happen for us if we chose to step out of this comfortable, cozy religiosity that we experience and try something new? What could happen if we allowed our wings to flap and we allowed ourselves to go into the world? And here's the deal, doing it all by yourself, that sounds really scary. But what if a lot of us just joined the journey and we all went and trusted that the Holy Spirit was in charge. What would happen if we no longer tried to hang on to the reins? See, here's what happens. Right now, we live in this comfortable environment. We know our needs are met. We have great resources here at Zion. If we don't want to lose all of our money, we cut back on spending. We apply for a PPE loan. We expect interest to re replenish our accounts. But when you go into the world trusting the Spirit... It's different. You don't have all that. You can't rely on all that. But you know what you do rely on? You rely on God. You rely on a higher power 
to take us to reach the ends of the earth and to make his name known. I will say, this has been placed on my heart so dramatically that we are being called to a God-sized dream. I know, I know, I know, I know that as we listen to the Spirit, the Spirit will direct us. Because the Spirit does as the Spirit wills. That, this is exactly how it is. Sometimes the Spirit blows and you barely notice it. Other times it's like a frying pan over the head. And I will tell you right now, I am feeling the frying pan over the head. We as a body of Christ are suffering. As Pastor Jim said, we're the church. And when one person suffers, we all suffer. And in this pandemic, people have been sick. People have been isolated. People have been as far away from God as possible because we haven't been able to gather as the body of Christ. So how is it right now that we can reach out and listen and know that when we hear the promise that the Spirit is the great comforter, the great advocate, the one who will show up in our need and our weaknesses, how can we let go of the reins and trust that that Spirit will lead us into new uncharted territories and will guide us when we're there? I know it sounds scary, but we talked last week Jim mentioned the words spiritual entrepreneurs. And this is a word that I've been chewing on for the last year as I've been like kind of beaten up, been beaten up by the Holy Spirit who's saying, go and do something with this idea. So we were looking at what this means and it means us being pioneers, means us being something new, us bringing the gospel to the world in a new way. And so for the past year, I've been doing this. Dan McConnell, Danielle Growth, and myself, we've been caring for people in new and unusual ways. And we do something called wonder twinning, which is a little bit goofy of a name, but we even trademarked it because we see the success in caring for people and walking them through their trauma while I pray. And Danielle does some uh, mindfulness activities, and we watch people who would never even know what God is, who he is, what God is, all of a sudden coming to this new realization that there is something bigger at work in our lives. And slowly but surely, the questions come, and people are curious about who is this? Who do you pray to? What is this? And we've watched as lives have been changed and altered, and healing has taken place. So my friends, we have this opportunity, if we're willing to listen, to go a half an hour from here and try a new ministry launch. There's a a retreat center in Brighton called the Emmerich Retreat Center that's owned by the Episcopal Church. We've been meeting with the Episcopal Bishop, our Bishop Chris. We've shared this with our leadership at Zion. We've shared this with the leadership of the Southeast Michigan Synod, their council. And we've been trying to reimagine what it could look like if we came together and we launched a worshiping community in the middle of God's creation. And it's not camp. If you think I'm saying camp, it's because you've been a Lutheran for too long. Camp is beautiful. Camp has an unbelievable purpose. This is different. If you want to learn more about what we're talking about, we're having a Zoom meeting on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. The link will be on our website. It's something that we can allow people, wherever they are, to experience the living creator. And I'm telling you, it forces us to shift our thoughts. Because when I first went to seminary, nobody believed that we could learn through um, virtual learning. I was, I was told that there was no way that that was a true education. So I had to teach them out of the hole. And I said, when you first started, people started school, they did it with slate they wrote on. Then they had chalkboards. 
and then it moved to whiteboards and we had overhead projectors and it turned to smart boards and it turned to laptops on our laps. And now, isn't it ironic that this year it was all distance learning and education has evolved. But what about the church? Has the church evolved? Those of you sitting here who've been in church your whole life, does church look very different today than it did years and years ago? Not really. I'm still sitting here gabbing and you're still sitting in the pew, right? Maybe we have different music. Maybe we have a screen or two. But what if we looked at church in a whole new light and recognized we could meet more of God's people if we tried something new? This pandemic, it offered us a chance to transform, a chance to evolve, a chance to just try to be God's voice in the world. So my friends, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to feel that nudge by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to leave the comfort of our birdcage and to take flight? Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, you have a way of stirring things up and making us question, and we don't always like it because it's pretty uncomfortable at times. And it's so much easier to control our resources and to control our little world and to stay within our birdcage. But Lord, I am asking that that Holy Spirit be like that wildfire we were talking about. Let it light up this place and send us into the world on mission to reach people who would never otherwise even know who you are. For the first time ever in our country, we've fallen below the 50% mark of who people that claim to be Christian are. We have been charged with the task of going into the world and making your name known, and we are failing at it. So speak to us, lead us, guide us, direct us, and help us to do a better job so that more lives will be changed and more people will know the living God. So come, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. In your holy name we pray. Amen.